Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Protectors. You know, we were just talking a little pre-interview about the format of the Protectors has shifted over the past 200 and something episodes. Now we are our own protectors. We have to protect this house. It's not just into that microcosm of the military and law enforcement emergency responder field. We are our own protectors now. So let's talk about it, man. How are you doing? First off, I'm good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Good to be here with you. Uh, it's great to have you on. You're, you're well recommended and you have a really good background, you know, as your title says, tour protection. So you've been in these really crazy environments with a lot of different variables going on at the same time. Uh, how did you get into that business? Um, Marine Corps first and then uh, doing protective security work on the side. And then that kind of morphed into meeting the right people when I was in L.A. Um, I was stationed in L.A. at a B billet. Uh, called the motion picture liaison for the Marine Corps. Um, and then I ended up meeting some uh, directors and producers and eventually Guy Ritchie who introduced me to Madonna. And that kind of obviously set a path to go in that direction away from the executives and dignitaries and more toward the celebrities. Can we talk about real quick, the Marines and networking people, if you are getting out of the Marines, you're staying in the Marines or any service branch, start networking. Open up yeah, your eyes to possibilities. A hundred percent. So if there's something that you like, something that you're into, some component, it doesn't have to be protective security. But if you know early on in your Marine Corps career, I would say you should look for a B-billet that actually helps you, right? So, for example, if I wanted to go into protective services in the Marine Corps, I would start looking at the MSG program, right? Because Marines provide security internally for the U.S. Embassy. And then outside the gates are the the host nation forces and, and uh, you know static guard forces and stuff like that. But the first step is figure out before you get out, see if you can map out what components you have access to, to utilize those things. And then if you can't get the orders to get on that particular duty, I would seek out the subject matter experts from that particular field. It could, it could be anything. It could be um, defensive tactics, right? Combatives in the military. Um, and that's the thing you're into. You can go to their, their main headquarters school and they're going to have several subject matter experts and you can work with those guys because you're going to have access through that network. Uh, and, and I can't speak to any other branch, but especially in the Marine Corps, it's, it's a small branch and guys are committed to helping each other and, and getting it done. And they're very passionate. So I would seek out those people before you get out. It's much harder to, to kind of get access, figure out who's who and what's what when you're outside the system. Well, when you're outside too, you also don't have that almost self-validation. Someone's be like, who's this guy? You know, is he a stolen valor? Or is he a real Marine? But if you are still in, I guarantee it, somebody knows someone that does something that you want to do or you want to be part of. Absolutely. There's, there's no question about that. And, and, and to your point, um, you know, in that field, at least in my experience, military and law enforcement, it's it's word of mouth recommendation. Like, hey, I know this dude. I served with this guy over here. We did X, Y, and Z. He's a good dude. I, I trust him. And then they start bringing you into stuff that maybe otherwise you wouldn't have access to, not in relationship to um, you know, something being classified, but just in relationship to sharing of information. It, it opens up if, if you have that mutual connection. What was it like taking a step into the security world? You know, you come from a very structured environment, the Marines, you're jumping off into something where, for one, you got to get your, your mindset mil demilitarized, but in the same sense, keeping your, your sense of sanity as far as protective efforts. What was that like jumping into that? 
Um, it's a good question, and, and, and I'm going to break it down into two parts. So when I was in the Marine Corps doing it, it most of the focus is on Latin America a lot in Mexico, taking celebrities and executives and uh, dignitaries down to Mexico because they were either vacationing or doing some type of, of work down there, whether it's film work, on location, or whatever it is. So that without the celebrities, with the executives and the dignitaries, there wasn't a huge change because those people typically are very structured. They're organized. They have an objective that they need to meet. Um, the shift for me, the hard shift, was to shift to the entertainment side, right? Because the entertainment side is the opposite of that. It's it's pure emotion. Um, it, it's, it's about feeling. And so using logic and reason and processes and systems and all that kind of stuff, it doesn't work. And so trying to find the middle ground for me was very, very difficult. And uh, in the end, I had to you know come to the conclusion that I can only secure them as much as they allow me to, and they're the ones paying the check. And then sometimes it's not appropriate to disclose everything that you're doing and how you're doing it to your clients. So a lot of that stuff then all of a sudden becomes very quiet. And even within your, your own team, maybe with local nationals so that it doesn't slip out through them, you're kind of keeping things close to the chest. So that was a hard one for me personally. And then I found unlike the Marine Corps, when I worked with other teams, um, there was a lot of ego and the guys didn't want to help you. They wanted to see you fail. And so they would give you bad information, right? Disinformation and misinformation. And you'd get wrong times, wrong places, all this kind of stuff. And so I figured out, you know what, it's better for me just to do this myself until I can vet guys and build the team. Um, so that by far the executive side, no big deal. Um, the dignitaries, not too bad. Uh, celebrities, another ball game. And that, that is a massive uh, mental shift that you have to make. What's the crazy story that you can disclose from a celebrity? You don't have to name any names. Well, we've had a lot of we've had a lot of things happen over the years. And, and like I tell a lot of guys, I can disclose anything they disclose. So once they disclose it publicly, it's free for me to talk about it. Or if they name me, like if you go to our website, tourprotection.com, you can see most of our entertainment clients because they will list us in tour books and other things. So once they make it public, we're good. But um the story that guys, it came up on uh, Cleared Hot, but the story that guys like is is uh, getting basically uh, taken hostage in Eastern Europe uh, with Tommy Lee. And this was like 15 years ago. And that became a shit show. And, you know, it's me on the ground with a drum tech and a personal assistant and a rock star trying to navigate that when they wanted their money back. And, you know, they got a group of guys, you know, half a dozen guys with AK standing around you. And so that kind of stuff to me stands out. But even more than that, like the cultural experiences and, and hitting these places and your, your client wants to do something that doesn't fit into that culture. Uh, those, those are the real kind of, you know, eye-opening experiences for me. Now, the most, before we jump into the civilian protect this house and protecting everything, as far as the protector community, let's talk about the most fulfilling point of your protective career so far. Mm. That's that's a hard one, man. You know, it's spanned quite some time and and not to give away my age, but it's it's I think 22, 22 or 23 years in protection. Um, probably in, in my particular case, dealing with a major issue um, down in South America, uh, a, a very, very serious issue and keeping one person alive and keeping another entire group out of jail. And I'm talking about at the federal level um, where there were guns out on both sides and you're in the middle of it and you were, I'm, by the way, I, I'm, I'm trained as a negotiator, but I am not a negotiator. You know what I mean? I've gone through the, the school, but I'm not a negotiator. So to have to step up in that and figure out all the variables in the equation and figure out what are the key variables to remove so that I can get the outcome that is 
most safe or appropriate for us in that particular situation. That stands out to me. And it, and it wasn't that long ago. And I'm sure if your, your um, viewers dig deep enough, they, they can find it. But yeah, we had some big issues um, down in South America. And I'll just say the country does not speak Spanish. And, uh, you know, it was a, it, it was a very, very bad situation. And I think probably two um, major news sources picked it up and then the client just went quiet on it. So I'll keep my mouth shut and they can dig for it. I can only imagine. And believe me, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Now, the shift has become in the protective industry has changed dramatically over the past year plus, uh, especially COVID, the, the travel, the industry hasn't moved and moved around. The pieces are a little bit different. But then we've also seen a huge uptick in people wanting to have self-protection. They are unsure of their environments that used to be safe. I used to be able to feel comfortable, even as a, a, a law enforcement officer uh, for 20 something years, I used to, I used to feel comfortable going into certain situations. Now I don't feel comfortable bringing my family there. So even me not feeling comfortable can pick up a lot of techniques, but as far as civilians, what are you seeing in your industry? Not really taking on, but catering to the civilian market. So if we're talking about my industry with respect to protective security operations, yeah. I'll speak to that. But if we talk about the entertainment side, which is 80%. No, no, we're talking about Those guys are disconnected, yeah. So yeah. On, the, on the protection side, we're getting a lot of people asking questions. How do we do this? How can I do that? Hey, I don't have the money to you know, create Fort Knox at my house, but I want to do some things. Maybe something that is... Um, aesthetically pleasing, but it serves as a layer of protection. I want to, you know, you know, the, the, the adage for security with the, the layered security approach, which is, you know, deter people from ever attempting. Then you try to detect it when they breach, then you try to delay them before they get there. Uh, then you, you work to respond to that particular thing, and then you mitigate it through whatever means you have available to you. So we basically have been taking that general model modified to the civilian community and been showing them how they can do things around their house, how they can create layers, how they can make choices. And, and one of the things I talked about not too long ago with a gentleman on a podcast was really simple choices. We live in the day and age where you can access you know, food or clothing or, um, you know, water or whatever you need, gasoline for your car to drive, whatever it is, you can access that pretty much 24 seven, right? So when I'm going to make a choice as to where I go to get my groceries, where I go to get my gas, what time of day I go there, what things have been happening there. We, we focus a lot on that, like preventive measures and mechanisms and, and, you know, the, we do the, the 5A program, which is awareness, avoidance, angles, avenues, and aggression, which we'll talk about. But, um, you know, awareness is, is a huge part of it. You don't go where the fights are happening. So if I look at data that's provided by a neutral or, or somewhat neutral source, and if I look at like your, uh, uh, with your federal history, you know what UCRs are, right? So if I look at a uniform crime report and I start to see Who's committing the crimes? Where are they committing the crimes? I can look at neighborhoods because the cities will break that down individually. And I can sort of see, well, maybe I don't want to go to that spot where problems are. And if I'm going to go there, I go at the time of day that's least likely to have the problems. And then even when I'm there, I, I raise my spidey senses so that I'm more aware. And what do I mean? I, the, the common thing, and I'm, I'm to be quite frank, I'm tired of saying this, but like this phone that I've got in my hand sucks all my attention, all my energy. And so this is a distraction device and guys are getting smoked left and right and people are getting killed accidentally because of it. And so, you know, the first thing is if I'm going to go into a place 
I know what happens in that area. I know what the lighting conditions are in the parking lot. I know where the entrances and exits are. I do my business and I GTFO. I don't, I don't sit around and wait for something to happen. I don't sit in my car, you know, in a dark lit area in a parking lot in a bad neighborhood at midnight, just hoping nothing happens. Right. So don't go where the problems are. That's, that's the first solution. And in order to not do that, you kind of have to do a little bit of research about your areas and what's happening in, in a given area. Um, you know, what the trends are, what the, the methods that the criminals are using, what they're targeting. And you don't give them what they need. And then that takes away the fight in the first place. And that's where we're really focused on for civilians. And then we get into dealing with it if you've made bad choices. Once a choice is made, it's made. You have to commit. Uh, Absolutely. Commit to save your life. Um, audacity of action. Just do it. Get out of there. If you have your family with you, make sure you have them and you get out of there. Uh, mitigate it. Don't stay and fight unless you absolutely have to be a good witness. You said you have a phone in your hand. I know nine times out of 10, I pull up to a, a gas pump nowadays. People put the pump in a the car, they sit and the phone is in front of their face. I've been guilty of it when I'm in certain areas around my house where I feel secure. I do it. But then lately I've been like, you know what? The more and more I see, the more I see people not aware and they're getting snuck up on theft, sneaking into cars, grabbing a phone, taking off. And it's just unbelievable because there is no accountability for it, for the crime. So the criminals know they can get away with a certain amount. So they're doing it. And like you said, plan before you go. Was that piss poor planning is something or the other? Uh, prior the, planning prevents piss poor performance. Exactly. These adages are real. They're, they're there for a reason. It's, it's and a it's fact. not, it's not paranoid anymore to do a route reconnaissance either by map or like you said, the uniform crime report, everybody go onto the DOJ website, type it in a Google. You're going to find it or DuckDuckGo, and you're going to find <laughs> Thank it. You. Nice one. <laughs> you're going to find it out there and you're going to find those locations you're going on. I know ways will bring me through some of the crappiest areas. It doesn't take into account crime. It doesn't take into account UCR. A lot of times when I want to go to Baltimore airport, it might take me right through some crap area of DC just to save a few minutes. Don't look at it that way. Look at different routes, do your reconnaissance and do your own due diligence. While we're talking about vehicles, you, you know, let's, let's, let's plug your book before we go any further protection for and from humanity. There's some awesome stuff in here. And one of them I saw was your vehicle. I'm guilty, but I got stickers all over the thing. Can't really tell if, they're just kind of <laughs> protector stickers, but there's no like Sig Sauer, Glock. There's no stick figure family. Yeah. Um, become Make your car, if you have a commuting car, make it like a gray car, your gray man car, your indiscriminate car that's not going to make you stand out from anywhere. Um, when you're in that vehicle, that vehicle has become a weapon. And the people around you have a weapon. One thing lately is road rage has gone up. I don't know what it was. People cooped up at home with COVID, but it is nuts. You have any recommendations when it comes to road rage and, and yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot and it all connects to what we've been talking about. What I find with respect to protection is it, it's, it all overlaps. None of it operates in isolation. It, 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 everything is connected in protection. And so with respect to, to road rage, one is I, I agree. If you look at the numbers, it's, it's way up. And I would agree that most likely it has to do with 
people having some level of frustration about what's going on in society, regardless of what side they're on, uh, with people maybe not being able to ac access certain things. Another thing is even people with mental illnesses who are not able to go to a hospital and get their meds or whatever it may be, um, or they're afraid to for whatever reason, um, you start to see that rise and rise and rise. And then with unemployment, you start to see the same kind of thing. Like I earned X amount of dollars and now I'm earning a fraction of that amount and I can't pay my bills. It creates stress. And now I'm not taking my meds. And then on top of that, I'm drinking or using drugs on top of that. So yes, I, I agree with you. The, the volume's high. The first thing normally for us that we do is we work on not going with our car where the problems frequently occur. The downside of that is that when the criminal elements deplete all the resources in their own areas, they will move out to the areas that have targets of value for them. And that's where no matter where you go or what time of day, you, you have the potential of having some type of carjacking or attack. So a big thing for us is how you're securing yourself in your vehicle, right? If you wear your seatbelt, how do you wear your seatbelt? If you're carrying a gun, can you get it out? And that's a big thing. We see a lot of guys with concealed carry and they've never shot from the car and they can't even get their weapon out from concealment. Um, and whether it's, you know, it, it, it uh, appendix or three o'clock or six o'clock, they've never done it once. Right. And I don't mean under stress. I just mean, they haven't even practiced simply with it. Then they don't know how tied into the steering wheel they are as well as the seatbelt. So, you know, how close their seat is or how far back it is or what it takes to open the doors. Um, or for example, um, one of the tactics is, is bumping cars. If your car becomes disabled, where will your automatic locks default to open? So now, they bump you and you don't want to get out. You pull over because you're trying to comply with law. And all of a sudden these guys are, are wanting to jack you and your doors are open. And so even if you had an up armor car, you open that door handle, you punch the gun in and you're good to go. So knowing that kind of stuff in advance is really big. Another factor that I see this problematic everywhere in the world, probably worse in other places, but is the proximity to the other vehicles, right? So in, in terms of proximity to other vehicles, if you don't have a way to cut left or right 45 degrees, you're not, you're not going out. You're stuck. The guy behind you is going to jam you in or the guy in front of you is going to jam you. They're both going to work in concert to jam you in. So creating that space that out is good. Having a vehicle that can get over curbs is good or having a vehicle that can create space uh, it, that's agile or, or, or has enough horsepower and movement. Those are great options. And we talk a little bit about that in the book, whether you're selecting an SUV or you're selecting a, you know, a sedan. I um, mean, your, your client will probably decide that, but you as a private citizen, you know, you need to consider that. How, how will this car perform in circumstance X, Y, or Z? And so we, we start there and then we start dealing with, with problems um, like down driver drills and things like that. When you have a loved one that maybe has a heart attack or has an issue or someone does carjack them, you need to be able to get off the X and then treat the issue. Because if you sit on the X and you treat the issue, now there's going to be two victims or three victims versus just that entity or individual driving. So um, that is a very broad and fast stroke on kind of some of the stuff that we cover with the civilian market. Now, like how you bring into the post-conflict, that is one area that never gets touched on is post-conflict, post-shooting incident, triage, care, get off the X. So great thing. The book's actually pretty in-depth. I liked it. You know, I did a little stickies here and there. I love my stickies, but I, I really it. recommend it. It's on Amazon now, and it is Todd Fox, Protection for and from Humanity. I don't want to mess it up. Because you know so what? So the, 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 uh, the, the problem 
um, comes from humanity, but the systems and processes in the book, which read kind of like a common sense field manual, um, those systems are, are to protect people. So the idea first and foremost is I want to protect people, but the reality is I'm acknowledging the problems come from people. It's not coming from some obscure thing or force. It's, it's a human. So uh, protection for and from humanity is exactly what it sounds like. And I like it because it reads, this is geared towards the civilian market. This is yes, geared sir. for, and that's what I liked about it. Cause you know what I told you what, before we did the show is I wanted to read the book and I'm like, Hey, you know what? There's a lot of good common sense stuff that I would recommend this to normal people. Uh, you and I both 20 something years plus, mm-hmm. I could still get something out of the book. You're not going to, I'm not going to say you're not going to get something out of there, but why don't you t- pick it up, read through it and then give it off to a loved one or give it off to an associate or someone, one of your friends. Don't give it to the bad guys. They're, they're bad. Yes. But, um, <laughs> Great point. No, really a, a very valid it point. Is. I think some guys kind of lose that when they put certain videos on YouTube or when they, they show certain things, just be very selective about something that's really good at saving a, a good person's life. Be careful about giving that to the wrong people. The one thing I do want to talk about is this protection, protect your family, protect this house. You, we touched on it a little bit about, you know, your lines of defense. The first line of defense is be aware of your, your neighborhoods, know who your neighbors are, Take a look for different cars and, and join neighborhood watch type things. There's an app called uh, Neighborhood Now or something like that. And I always get pops up. And it's not just telling me about a sex offender saying, hey, some guy tried to approach my daughter and they give you the street address and everything. Any other recommendations for your outer perimeter that people could look at? Yeah, I the, the first thing is exactly what you said, right? So the first thing is you need to be able to assess your environment. And for some people, that's not natural. If you come from certain backgrounds, it, it makes more sense. It's more analytical. But how do people get in the neighborhood? How do people get out of the neighborhood? Where is my house placed in the neighborhood? Is it the end of a cul-de-sac that takes forever to get to and get away from? And does that cul-de-sac back up through a, a common ground lot or a, a wood lot to another one where they can they can move through that to get to an escape car? So I need to know my layout and I need to know what's common in those areas. And I also need to know who in the neighborhood is likely to bring problems to me, right? Because you're going to have good neighbors and you're going to have bad neighbors and everybody wants to act like, you know, Oh no, I got, I'm in a good neighborhood. Guess what? If their kid is hanging around a turd, they're going to bring those turds to hang out at that house. And when they're at that house and they're getting jacked up on drugs, they're going to be looking for easy targets and you're right down the street or maybe next door. So that's another major consideration. So knowing who the people are around you, who's going to help you, right? So like a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. I want to look at, Who in my neighborhood is a force multiplier for me and who keeps their eyes open, their ears open and kind of has a barometer to tell, um, you know, what's not normal in that environment. So they have the baseline and they can pick out the anomalies, in particular, the critical anomalies. And then they'll share information just like with these apps. So that's a, a huge component. But a lot of times we get into uh, what you mentioned, which is self protection. I'm not relying on other people. So I start to figure it out. Okay. First thing is, you know, how big a property do I have? What do I have to secure? How much money do I have to secure it? And I look at that and say, okay, I start outside and then I work in. And some people do it the opposite. It doesn't really matter. But let's say starting outside, if I can afford to delineate my property line and not have it be vague and ambiguous, that's a good thing. One, if I have sight lines that are far enough off the house that let me detect something early, that's good. If I can put a fence in, that's another barrier. If I can have cameras out, although it won't stop people, if I can have cameras out, that's good. If I can have a dog outside, that's good. Uh, If I can have great lighting, very, very, very bright lighting, coupled with the fence, coupled with the dog, coupled with, you know, neighbors who are paying attention, that's all exterior. 
right? And then we start to get to the, the middle ground, right? Which is the locking mechanisms that you use on your door and where you have, you know, uh, solid core doors or, or where you have, you know, uh, hollow core doors, where you have, you know, side pane windows um, and where your locking me mechanisms are and how they work on the outside and how they work on the inside. And, you know, is it a push or is it a pull? And then where is it in your house? So that if you have some type of issue there, a breach, how much time do you have to react to that? And what room are you going to? And why are you going to that room? And what can you do from that room and training that plan? So there's a ton of stuff that, that we work on um, with regard to that. And I, I would take up your entire show if I talked about it, but those are just a few of the things. Yeah. I always tell, you know, we could literally go on. That's why, you know, you buy the book, you check out Todd, um, follow Todd, check out his website. He's got a lot of good things going on. And one other thing about the neighborhood is every neighborhood has a surveillance expert built into it. Find out who it is. <laughs> they always know what's going on and they will tell you if they see something keyed off. And, uh, yeah, man, there's so much you could do in the protection world. And it's like something become interested in it. Get to know what's going on because this really is a life-saving thing to know, especially nowadays. Todd, I really appreciate everything you're doing. I like that you're doing things geared towards the civilian market as well, not just the entertainment and the uh, corporate and the executive protection stuff. Thank you, man. I appreciate your time. Anything else you want the audience to know about you and everything else? Uh, you could mention maybe the five A's that, that we put out. So we put out a PDF, um, at tourprotection.com and toddafox.com that basically goes through, you know, the awareness, the avoidance, the angles, the avenues of escape, and then the aggression. Um, so those are, those are common knowledge for you, but for a lot of people, they don't know how to structure things and look at it from a structured perspective. And so giving them some idea of, of that, and we, we crossed over awareness and avoidance. We didn't do too much on angles or avenues of escape except for the, the vehicle but um that that will give them something for free um they don't have to enroll in a course or sign up or anything and we won't blast them with any emails um they can just pull the pd up and pdf up and, and have a look at it and see if it's something that resonates with them or if they can take some components of it and apply it in their daily lives awesome brother well i appreciate you coming on the show and everybody head over to todd fox todd a fox.com <laughs> 